Good evening. Good evening. It's a bit chilly in here. Yeah, it'll warm up. It'll warm up. Don't worry. Uh, lovely to see you all on this uh, cold winter's evening. Thanks for coming out. Um, it's, it looks like a bit of a set of Valdunican or da Dave Allen or something, doesn't it? An evening with Dave Allen or something, which I hope it's not. <laughs> yeah, more the Val John's got the cardigan on, so it's going to be probably more the Valdunican. So um, it's it's good to see you. Yeah, I've shown my age, aren't I? Um, it's good to see you tonight. Thanks a lot for coming. Um, it's good to have John and Debbie with us. And yeah, give them a round of applause. And uh, if it's only just to warm your hands up, that's fine. Um, and I'm not sure what much more to say apart from John and Debbie. Here you go. Nobody wants that. Just so you know, that will become a regular sentence that we all say. Yeah. Get your mic, John. Your Just, mic, John. Let's practice. Get your mic, John. Your mic, John. There you go, yeah. I know. I know. Um, yeah, just to echo what Dean said, thank you for coming out. Very much appreciated. Hello. I told you, That's didn't better, I? That's better, isn't it? I'll, I will sing a solo in a minute on, on the Blue Ridge Mountains of Virginia. <laughs> On the trail of the lonesome pine. Yeah. Just keep telling me if I have. I will, don't worry. They will, they've got the drill. Yeah, I wore the um, the one round your face, didn't I, when I was here? I do, and I've, I'm used to that one. That's why I forget when I've got a handheld, though it's fine. Yeah, we thought we'd um, we'd tell you a bit of our, our story, our past, so you know where we're coming from and where we've been in, in our lives, etc. And now, you know, what God has done at different stages, it's been quite a journey. And um, we'll start in, well, first of all, um, where were you born, etc.? Do you want to just tell us? Yeah, I was born in a place called Burton-on-Trent. Anybody heard of that? Yeah. Oh, yeah, one or two people. I was only there for about six months, though, so I don't remember too much about it. My, my dad also was a pastor, so I'm a PK, as well as a PW, and I've been an MW as well. We'll and, get to that. And a pastor's mum, yeah. And, yeah. A, and a, a young pastor's mum. Oh, I forgot that one. I'm a PM. Does that mean Prime Minister? <laughs> I'm a pastor's mum as well. That's a new one. Um, so Burton-on-Trent, my dad's a pastor, like I just said, and so we weren't there very long, and after that we went to Carlisle and then Birmingham. Um, and then Blackpool. So I think I'm from Burton-on-Trent, but I'm not quite sure where I'm from. <laughs> yeah, and we, we met in Blackpool. Most of you, most of you have heard me say I was. Uh, I, well, I was. I was born in Bradford, but age 16. Oh, I, I the yeah, Stuart, do you want to put that on now? So while they're faffing about with that, I um, I became a Christian when I was seven years old at a youth at a youth camp. And then, unless they need my help, no, they've got it. There we are. We're on. That's a very snazzy one, actually. I like I like that. 
So I was seven when I became a Christian. My dad was running a youth camp in a place called Newbury. And um, that's when I gave my life to Jesus when I was seven. And I'm very grateful that although I, you know, I haven't been an angel for the, since that time, God kept me, God kept me. And I always, I've always been to church, never not wanting to go to church and always um, been there. So I'm very grateful for that because... Sometimes you can think that you haven't got a testimony when you get born again as a child, but I've got a great testimony of what I was kept from. And I'm very grateful to God for that. And my story could not be any more different than the man sat next to me. It's true. It's a miracle we ever came, you know, came together, that's for sure. Because as, as I was just saying, I, I was Royal Navy age 16. In fact, I was only 16 and seven weeks when I joined, and after boot camp training, I, I joined a destroyer in Malta. So I was living on a destroyer when I was 16 and a half, and um, I wasn't kept from everything. Um, I, I got saved uh, in Blackpool, age 25, and um, I got saved in Debbie's dad, the church Debbie's dad was pastoring, um, and that's how we met. Win-win. Yeah. <laughs> I, got, I got Jesus, then I got a wife. <laughs> it was grand. <laughs> so that was, uh, we, we've been married since 1987 and um, had a very adventurous life, that's for okay. sure. Mm. So we married in February 87, then what Valentine's happened? Day. Yeah. So you'll never forget. That's why I did it. <laughs> Didn't I ever say anything? Uh, no. Yeah, you did, yeah. yeah. And so then, if you want to go on, what happened later that year? Yeah, so uh, we were originally going to get married in the September of 1987. And I just decided to look at the calendar just to see when Valentine's Day would fall. And it was going to fall on a Saturday. So we announced to my parents, <laughs> hey, we're going to move it forward six months. So we got married on... Uh, Valentine's Day 87, and in September 1987, we went to Bible college. How crazy is that? But that's what we did. <laughs> we went to Bible college in Nantwich. Mm -hmm. um, John began his journey as a student, and I, I worked in the college. A very tough, very tough couple of years, I would say. We had lot, we've had lots of uh, difficult years. Um, our journey's been amazing, but also very challenging. And mm -hmm. It was, it was tough days for me, especially at Bible College, because I was still trying to find who I was. I was just newly married. We lived in one room. It wasn't a house. And we were the first year into Nantwich. Anybody been, did anybody go to Nantwich? Oh, one or two people. No. So we were, the, Lawrence, we were the first year in there. Um, they moved from Capel. Is that right? Yeah. Mm. So it wasn't ready. But they couldn't, obviously, the college couldn't afford to have a year off students. So lucky us, we got to be in there first and it just wasn't ready. There was hardly any heating. The food was absolutely appalling. One of the abiding memories was cauliflower cheese and fried bread for dinner. That was it. Fish fingers and, tin, fish fingers and tin spaghetti. Yeah. We were in ministry because we these meals are very Spoiled, weren't we? We were, <laughs> we're spoiled. spoiled. <laughs> I think God knew we were going to eventually go to Africa, you see. That's so clearly what it was, yeah. So we were there for two years. I worked in the college while John studied. 
And, um, and so in 1989 then, we were wondering where we would go. And we'd, we'd honestly said to the Lord, we'll go wherever you want to send us. We're not going to try and make something happen or choose where to go. And we ended up in the Rhonda Valley. Anybody been to the Rhonda Valley? Florence <gasps> again. People. Yeah, Pauline. So in Porth, and we were like, where is that? We had no idea where it was. But um, we went there, had an interview there. Malin Harry was in the church then. She was one of the leaders. You may know that name. So she was partly responsible for us going to Porth in the Rhonda. And we had two children there, Chris and Beth. Chris was born in 1990. So he's 34 this year. Wow. And our Beth is 32. They're both married. They all live in Wales. Both married. Beth and Sam have got three children. I don't expect you to remember this, but Ari, who's nearly six. Tally, who's four today, nearly 12. And Noah, who is one next week. And we've just gained today, we are hamster granny and granddad now. Yeah. They got, they got two little hamsters today for Tally's birthday, so. But <laughs> it's okay because I'm skilled at burying them. <laughs> I've done a, I've done a few over the years in the in the back garden. Full ceremony. In, in you go, Colin. That's Colin was Colin, one. Sebastian. Sebastian's gone in there. Lolly, lollipop sticks, you know, to mark where they were. Not really they, that. Um, they all walk with Jesus, which is fantastic for us. One of our best, best things we can ever share about our ministry is that our children are still walking with the Lord and serving in the same church, which is really cool. Mm. And uh, obviously, they're miles away, and we'll get to a bit more of that, how that happened probably later on. So it's not easy for us because we don't get to see our grandchildren as much as we'd like. But it's the call of God and... Uh, all of our family appreciate that and realise that, and it's just where we are right now. So, yeah. So we left in 1989, went to Porth. We did. I'm tagging you in. You're tagging me in, yeah. good. Yeah. Um, as Deb said, we, we literally prayed we'll go where you send us. I didn't I didn't have Chech, Chechnya on the map, by the way. <laughs> you know that that would that would yeah, have taken yeah. a bit more. Anywhere it's but, <laughs> Yeah, I'm joking, but. Um, yeah, never imagined we'd go to Wales. I'd never been there, apart from, I never crossed the border. I'd been there on a, on a destroyer, a kind of a meet the Navy thing to Cardiff, but never been to Wales. And um, we went in the Rhonda Valley, couldn't understand what they were saying at first. <laughs> and, um, you know, but gradually got into life there and into, uh, into pastoral ministry. And, I, I'd, be, I'd been saved five years at that point, and I honestly didn't have a clue what I was doing. And um, my first funeral that I did was in a house, and as, as is the custom there, as you probably would know, but um, I'd never been to one in a house. So I, I reasoned, if I say I'm not sure what, what to do, they'll think, <laughs> what have we got here? <laughs> and if I don't say anything, I'm likely to blow it. So either way, I'm going to lose out here. But I didn't say anything, and I just winged it. Um, but it, it, there was lots of things like that, because, again, as you would know, it's a big cultural difference. You know, it, it's near, isn't it? We're not a big island. But the, the cultural difference is massive, particularly the valleys in those days. 
you know, it's different now in the sense that we were odd being English there. And um, I went to university while I was there, and I, I, I learned Welsh in university. And um, I honestly couldn't speak one word of it. And I, I don't know how much you would know of it, but the Welsh word for Wales is Cymru. And I pronounced it up to that point as Simru. <laughs> so I got a shock. I don't, I don't even know one word, I thought. My goodness, I thought I did. But um, we absorbed us. The reason I'm saying that, we absorbed ourselves into, uh, into Welsh life and, and um, became part of the community there. And Deb said our kids were born there. So they're Welsh. You know, when they got to about 13, we, we asked them, you know, what are you? Because we're both English, obviously. What are you? And both of them said, we're Welsh, Dad. We're Welsh. <laughs> so that was it. And they, st and they lived there, as Deb said. Our Chris is pastor of a church 10 miles outside Cardiff. And Beth and her husband and kids go there as well. So we're, we're so delighted about that. Beth's husband's from Dorset. They met in Cardiff. They're both musicians. So they met in the music world. And uh, they lived then in Dorset. But in more recent times, they've moved uh, back to Wales. Which makes visiting a whole lot easier. Yeah, it does. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. So we're in Wales and pastoring. And um, it, it's, this, is, this is just how it was. Our first church and the previous pastor was in prison. And he was in prison for fraud. And honestly, the main news story on BBC and HTV as it is in Wales, ITV's HTV. The main story was our church. And we, we were sent away for our own protection because of the cameras coming and trying to interview people. And what happened was, I, you know, we don't believe he, he meant uh, to be fraudulent. But what he did, he, when, when the Romanian situation, when the Ceausescu's died and... The cameras went in and saw the orphanages. Some of you remember all that. He wanted to uh, be a middleman for, to adopt Romanian kids um, into British families. So he took the money up front. And I think he was sincere at that point. But he, couldn't, he didn't deliver some of the kids then. So he'd had the money and spent it. And he ended up going to prison. So that was our starting ministry. And... Um, mm, it was, um, it was difficult. I honestly wanted out at that point. You know, a little while after that, not the first weeks or so. Second. Second week, yeah. <laughs> but I thought, I can't do this. It was, you know, I've made a mistake. And um, you, some of you will know Dennis Phillips. You know him well. He's, Dennis is a really good friend of ours. And um, I went to see Dennis, and I said, I'm struggling, you know. I'm struggling with my past. I'm struggling with ministry. I think I'm in the wrong place. And he sent me to Scotland. He did me a massive favor. And on the border somewhere, I can't remember where it was, but there was like a missions place. And they did all those tests. You know, I can't remember the name of them. Some of you have done them where, you know, they work out what you are or what's wrong with you. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> there was a lot. There was a lot. There was a long, a long line. But they... <laughs> They actually said to me, if you hadn't come now, you would have never recovered. So I was very grateful to our friend Dennis. And, uh, uh, you know, he kind of rescued me and we got back into it. And we stayed for eight and a half, eight and a half years. And I'll just go a bit further than 
and okay. we didn't come in when we arrived. So after eight and a half years, we, um, we'd been asked to go to Wales. That's why we went. And we thought, how do you know when it's time to move on? As, as you know, with your pastors, you know, in more recent times, you know, you've, you've been through pastors moving on. But as a pastor, you're not sure how to interpret that. You've got used to people. You know, you love your people. And so we went to, I went actually, first of all, to Cheltenham, where uh, Elim's headquarters was. And again, some of you remember, if you've been in Elim a long time, uh, Wynne Lewis, Gordon Hills, and Brian Edwards. And I met them for lunch uh, that day. And they were asking me, so what, what do you think, John? And strangely enough, they said, uh, Brighton. Maybe Brighton would be open for you, or Newcastle. And this is um, like yes, yeah, sorry, yeah, yeah, I need to say that. Ninety-seven, yeah. that was, you know. And, and um, then Brian Edwards, the missions director, said, "Would you consider going to East Africa, John?" What? Not bad enough going to Wales, <laughs> but but anyway. It was before mobile phones, obviously. So on the way home, I stopped at the services and phoned Deb. <laughs> and, and she said, well, I said... Yeah, wives weren't included in the conversation about your life yeah, back then. <laughs> no. She said, well, I said, Tanzania. <laughs> and I heard the phone drop. <laughs> but anyway, it was a total shock. And, and it's a long story, but we actually went not long after. And anybody remember the Renshaws? Missionaries called Renshaw? They'd been there 40 years, and in Africa anyway. And we went to stay with them. And we had a torrid time, not because of them. But they were so seasoned, you know, and, and we were new to Africa. Deb got really badly bitten, mosquito-wise. And just it was just a very difficult couple of weeks. So... We, we went back, and, and another thing, um, which, which may be helpful to some here, we got, we got on a KLM flight to go, and I'd flown, I'd flown military, I'd flown lots of times in, in my life up to that point, but it, we were on the, we were on the um, tarmac, and the captain came on and said, we've got a problem, so we'll be delayed, we have to fix something, so, okay. <laughs> going to fix something. Then we started, uh, you know, he said, everything's fine. We're going to move. We started to move and he said, we've had to stop again. We've got a problem with the fuel system now. And I'm thinking, hmm, not sure about this one, you know. And then we taxied to the runway and the captain came on again and he said, we're going to have to go back because somebody wants to get off. <laughs> I said, I bet there's a few of us, actually. <laughs> <laughs> and, and we had just this, you know, if you've ever been in real, you know, turbulence, I'm sure you have. It was just one of those. And I developed a fear of flying. And uh, first time in my life, but it was real to me. And um, anyway, we got back to Cardiff Airport after the, after the trip. And we, we, we felt like kissing the tarmac. We thought, my goodness, thank goodness we're back. But anyway, um, after a little while, Brian Edwards said to us, um, he, he said, come and meet and have a chat and see, talk it through. And we went to the services on the M4 to meet him. And we went in not going and we came out going. 
And to this day, we've no idea, <laughs> apart from the fact he had a gun under his coat. <laughs> <laughs> he didn't. But we came out, my goodness, we're going to Tanzania to live. One of the issues was our kids were six and seven years of age, and uh, it was difficult on it. It was difficult because I, I, most of my family are unsaved, and we had this do, you know, as we say in Yorkshire, a bit of a do. And so it was aunties and uncles and that. And they, one after one, they'd come to me and say, it was kind of a send-off for us, you know. And, and they'd come and say, John, are you really going to Tanzania with the kids? What about malaria? What about getting robbed? People get robbed, you know. And they went through an old list. And in my mind, I'm thinking, oh, my goodness, what we're doing. But anyway... We got on a plane, we and we went. <laughs> we what happened plane. when we got there at the airport? Yeah, so we got on this plane, our kids six and seven. Um, One-way ticket. And I said to you earlier that when they asked us to go to the Rhonda Valley, I said, where's that? And it was the same question when they asked us to go mm -hmm. to Tanzania. I said, where's that? I had no clue where Tanzania was. Or, and we'd gone on this two-week, let's have a go and have a look, and totally convinced ourselves that we were never, we were never going to thank you for the invitation to go and live in Africa, but no thank you. So then here we are and landing in a, in a country that none of us knew, our kids were tiny, and if ever you've travelled in the back of a car with a six and seven year old, you were not asleep. It's really quiet, <laughs> is it? He's pinched me, he's nipped me, can I have a drink, I need a wee, all of that. Well, our two kids were just completely silent. I was silent. <laughs> I was like, what are we doing? <coughs> and we landed in this house. Um, there was no crossover. That was another story that we don't have time to go into. We literally landed and we were met by someone who we didn't know. They took us to this house that we didn't know, missionary friends that we got to know were on furlough. And so they said we could use their house. Um, it didn't feel secure as a house. Everyone lives with security. Anywhere ever been to Africa? few people. Yeah. So no one kind of lives without a security or without a dog or without a guard. And we, the guard that we <coughs> met that was going to protect our lovely precious family, how old was he? 74. 74. <laughs> and about three foot four and, you know, seven stone soaking wet. So we knew that he wasn't really going to protect us <laughs> that well. And the wind, and I would go around the windows, the windows wouldn't shut and so many things were just scary and unknown and we just didn't know, we didn't know how to live in Tanzania. I didn't know what to cook. We would go to the supermarket and I would just buy tins of pine spaghetti because that's all I knew. And that's, I knew that that's what the kids would recognize. And one day we sat down at the table and Bethy was six. She started to cry. I said, what's the matter? It doesn't taste like England spaghetti. Or Welsh spaghetti, she would have said, Welsh spaghetti. So so many challenges for us. Let me just go back to the first yeah, go night. On then. Oh, go on then. The what first happened night. because of the yeah. security situation, which is serious. You know, you you will probably face armed robbery if you don't have guards. It's as simple as that. You know, and um, um, so we arrive, and obviously, as a dad and Deb, you know, my wife there. You know, I'd travelled a lot. I'd served in Northern Ireland. I was used to conflict <laughs> and what have you, but. But um, this was different. And I'd, I'd see holes in the fence, etc., and, and the guard, uh, uh, and think, wow, we could be in trouble here. 
And anyway, we decided to just go in one room with the, the kids, they, you know, they had their own bedrooms, there was enough space for that. But we all went in one room and I went back in the lounge and this is what, this was our first night in Africa. I started to cry and I said, Lord, what have I done to my family? What have I done? It was, it was like heartbreaking and because I was scared myself, you know, for them really, I was, I was scared and we were there and that was it, like you said, a one-way ticket, wasn't it? One-way ticket, and you, you, you had, so you just had to learn to live again because you didn't recognise the smells. And back then, so this was 1998, wasn't 1998, it? 1998, yeah. It's not like, so if you're thinking of coming to Tanzania in September, anyone come in? It's nothing like it was in 1998, let me tell you. Yeah, you'll be all right. You'll be all right. <laughs> McDonald's is not there, but that's probably a good thing. Um, but it's a lot different. But back then, we had to get milk from a cow, you know, all stuff like that. And one of the things that happened to us when we went, because it's a funny story, one of the things that happened, it wasn't funny at the time, when we went for the fortnight, John was preaching in this church that had, like, no windows. And no, no, no windows. And um, about, it goes dark, pitch black, every night around six, six o'clock, half six. There's no summer evenings. And... Um, as John was still preaching, and I love to listen to John preach, I'm not just saying that because he sat next to me. But this particular night, when it started to go dark, these things started flying in the window, and they were called termites. So they're like, think of an ant, 50 times, 10 times bigger than an ant, felt like 50, with big wings. And they only come out like one or two nights a year, and they picked that night. So I was on the front row, and they're just literally... Raining on these things, yeah. just dropping on people, and everybody's just like sat there listening to John preach, and I am absolutely terrified, thinking, "Shut up, John! Please shut up, so we can get out of this place." <laughs> and they actually, then we found out afterwards that, that they actually eat them. They'll take the wings off and fry them up and eat them. I never tried that. So here we are, 1998, with our two young children, just learning how to live in Tanzania and. Huge highlight for them was that we, they went to an international school in Arusha, which was just a dream. Probably, probably one of the best parts about living there was that, mm. and it, that was it the came our that, community, didn't it? Yeah, yeah that, kept, that gave us a community, because mm. the, the, we had to kind of find an, an international church where it was English speaking. Going to a Swahili church wouldn't have worked for us because, because of the job that John did mainly more than me, um, we would have been seen as the answer to any African church we went in, and so we needed somewhere we could go where we would get fed and get community. And we and we did we did eventually find that um, we didn't go we didn't go home for two years. In the early days, when you were just talking about our first night, Beth, um, she yeah. said to us one morning, um, "I saw an angel last night, Mum." First not, time she'd ever said anything ever, like that. Ever, we're not, yeah. we're kind of not that family really that, say, that would say things like that, see things like that, but she was six. And so I said to her, what did it look like? And she, she just told me, she said, dressed in white and it had big wings. And I said, did it say anything to you? And she said, yeah, it's gonna be okay. So that was like a real thrill for me to hear that. And we got lots of little things like that that just gave us the... Just to let me come in with the power of the word because yeah. um, somebody we knew in the UK sent, sent a card to us and, and yeah, on it was Psalm 121. 
And I, was, I, I went out for a prayer walk and, and uh, you know, the, that psalm was there and I'm looking at the psalm. I looked to the hills. Where does my help come from? My help comes from the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. Changed our lives. Yeah. I'm saying that to encourage you. You know, little words sometimes right. are, are just massive in people's lives. I turned around and I knew we're all right. We're okay. going to be okay. And uh, it was that word. We were so grateful that somebody bothered to send us a card, you know, and, and uh, with the word of God on it. Mm. Yeah. yeah. So we got, we got um, involved in, in church and you travelled a lot because of your job. It was, you, our area was ten mm, times bigger than Britain, so John did quite a lot of travelling. I, I, was, I was Elim's overseer for Tanzania, yeah. Kenya, um, Uganda, Rwanda and um, Burundi, Burundi mm -hmm. um, which we couldn't get in because of the previous genocide and a little bit of East Congo as well which I never got into Congo either troubled areas at the time um, so it was massive like Deb just said it was ten times bigger than Britain and that's what I was covering and, and you know it may have had an effect on something that's coming soon yeah and so, so our kids love Tanzania even today and we, they, we went in the Land Rover to Kenya and to Uganda and had some really great adventures, mm -hmm. didn't we? And so two years on, like I say, we didn't come home for two years. That was really hard, not being with family at Christmas and things like that. Having a, I mean, you might like fancy a red hot Christmas, but it just didn't quite feel the same for me. I wanted the cold. So that was all Do you want that tonight now? No, I'll have the heat now. That'd be good. Um, and so we came home on furlough in the year 2000. Stayed home for about three months, did all the travelling, went to, before I know what I know now, it felt like went to McDonald's every night, that's what it felt like. Little share food, <laughs> we did them all, I did lots of travelling, and then we went back to Tanzania, imagining that we would do another three-year term. I was quite up for it, I was ready for it, the kids were settled in school, I had got used to it, it had taken me two years, but I had got used to living there. And, and we went back in the August of 2000. Dennis Phillips came out to be with us for a conference. So he was there. He's been a key, key person in our lives, Dennis, yes, through yeah, our ministry. Very much We're so, very yeah. Grateful. And you look back over your life, and we haven't done this for a long time, but it's really good to, to tell your story because most of, most of the kind of highlights that stand out to you are the ones that, God, that you look back on and you saw that God brought you through. Because some of the things, we would, we would absolutely say we had an incredible, abundant life, for sure. But you look back at the, some of the things we're telling you tonight and you, you relive them as, oh, that was a really tough time, that was, that was a challenge, that was a darkness. And we were, we were about to go into the worst darkness that we've ever had and, and will ever have, in Jesus' mm -hmm. name. Um, in around September 2000, where we'd just done this conference. John had traveled to Rwanda. And uh, one night he collapsed. I was in bed with the kid. The kids were in bed. I was in bed. Dennis was in bed. And John was up. And he, he collapsed on the floor. Smashed his head on the floor. There's no carpets in Tanzania. It's just all tiled floor. So he was bleeding. And he came into the bedroom. And, and we were about to go on a journey, like I said, that was we, we couldn't have hoped for, wished for, wanted at all. It was a very dark time. And we haven't got time to go into the whole story, but we, we went to Kenya. This is a funny story. We went to Kenya to see what, how, what they were going to do. And they said to John that he needed a pacemaker 
That's where we got to because it was like a rhythmia, electrical heart problem. And John said, what will the cost of that be? And the doctor said, we'll barter for it. So I imagine they were going to dig one out of a, an old Maasai chief and pop it in. Rust, rusty as well. I thought it would be yeah, rusty. Rusty face. So we were straight on a plane back to the UK with our kids. We left everything there. We left our whole life there. So this is mm. like September, isn't it? End of September 2000. Mm. And we came home. Um, and the day I got home, the, the day I got home, I went straight into casualty in Blackpool Victoria Hospital. So we come from Tanzania, and straight into um, into into you know the cardio care in in uh, Blackpool Hospital. It changed our lives changed overnight. But we were trying to work out what brought it on. That's that's what what I mentioned earlier. And I went with a couple of British pastors and and and. Tanzanian and Kenyan, Kenyan pastors to Rwanda and the sights we saw there were just unbelievable you know I, I, it was like standing on a movie set but it was real because it was people who died and being left where they died and if you're not familiar with it um, what happened was uh, was two tribes Hutus uh, and Tutsis and the Hutus had tried to wipe the more ruling class Tutsis out and and in between April and July eight, uh, 800,000 people died most of them with a machete they would cut Achilles on people so they couldn't get away and just leave them for a while come back and slaughter them because they couldn't keep up with the slaughter and um, I saw a lot of dead people. You know, they were obviously they, they, yeah, they, you know, but they still have hair. Some of them, you know, or in the clothes that they died in, and uh, it, it shook my life for sure. I actually remember saying at the time, it, you know, if this life is all there is, then it's not worth having at all for life's worst victims. That's what I saw, and. I don't know if that affected me, you know, because it wasn't too long after that, you know, and I'd been a, I'd been a sportsman and done marathon and stuff when I was young, and I'm, I've got a heart problem, my goodness. And anyway, we couldn't go back. Um, again, Dennis and Gordon, wasn't it? It, it, you know, we're going to have to shorten it, obviously, and we're paused to have a song in a moment. That's why Deb's brought the guitar. But... Um, you know, we thought at first I'd be treated and we'd go back, and we were actually going to go back. Um, I don't know what day it was, but it'd been home a few months, haven't we? And we'd had a meeting, and they said, "Go back. You need a procedure in your heart, but it looks like you're well enough to go back, and then come back for the procedure." So that very day, I was wrongly medicated, and it it almost stopped my heart, and. I was phoning the doctor and he said, no, they changed my medicine and, it, and they didn't take me off the old stuff. That's what happened. So I've got, you know, this medicine on top of the other stuff and it just nearly stopped my heart. So I'm phoning up a doctor and I said, no, persist with it. You know, you've you, you got to persist with it. It's side effects, etc." I went back into hospital emergency and uh, I ended up having ablation, which was new at the time. And... Um, I couldn't recover. 
you know, I, I just couldn't recover it. So eventually they called us to Imperial Hotel in Blackpool and we had a private room, Dennis Phillips, Brian Edwards there. And they said, you won't be going back to Tanzania. And Debbie collapsed. It was just horrendous because our whole lives were there. Kids, school, work, home, possessions, it was all in Tanzania. And, you know, the story brightens up about that, as you would probably know. But we were finished, and I was waiting to die. And we moved back to the Rhonda Valley, um, just because that's where our kids had been to school. And, you know, we knew lots of people there. It was our family, you know, our church family and, and what have you. Not to work. I wasn't, wasn't going to be a pastor or anything. I, I was literally just thinking, well, you know, I don't think I'll be here for long, but we'll go back and I want to settle Deb and the kids back. So we ended up back in the Rhonda Valley, which is another story. Yeah. Go on. Go on. Mm. What Can happened? Can I sing or not yet? Just finish this off of what okay. happened and then we'll, we'll go quickly from there. Yeah, so very unusually, unusual, we actually ended up pastoring the same church that we'd left yeah. three years previously, which is very unusual. But circumstances were such that when they told us we couldn't go back to Tanzania, <clears throat> we, I, I remember saying to Dennis, where are you going to live? And Dennis said to me, you can go and live where you want. I think they felt so sorry for me. They were like, where do you want to live? Where do you want to go and live? Hawaii? He said, no, you can't go to Hawaii. So we chose Wales, like John said, because that's where we knew. It's where our friends were. It's where the kids were. And we so. The pastor had obviously been there in the church we'd left for around four years. And we, so we went back there. He, he graciously said, yeah, you, you, can, you can come. Little did we know, there'd been some huge issues there, which again, we won't go into details. He'd given his notice in, in the previous like September, when John first took ill, which again, we, didn't, we weren't aware of. And so the, because we knew all the people there, there was kind of a bit of a divide and a split coming we knew everyone they asked us if we would consider taking Den the church Dennis, on again Dennis again the conversation so Dennis with Dennis fault. Yeah. Um, and great man you some of you know that don't you great you man you had an interview which was a bit weird but you did have an interview because I have to keep it official and we ended up pastoring that church again mm. and like John said we took it a day at a time because that's what he thought he thought he was going to die and I never thought that I never believed that and uh, we had another like 12, 13 years there, mm, didn't we? We had did, a, yeah. a, Some great times, some hard times as normal. We birthed a ministry called Sporting Marvels that employed people from all over the world that came to live in the Ronda, worked in schools. We had some really, really exciting days, didn't we? Yeah, it was obviously, f the location was a big rugby world and we had, we yeah. had rugby people in our church. So we started ministry, three, three guys and myself, they're all, they all, got saved in, in our church. Uh, one of them got saved in a police cell and then came to our church. But um, he's the only man, we'll bring him to speak actually. He's the only man in the history of world rugby to be banned for life twice. <laughs> and he's a man of God. He fought an undercover police uh, officer, you know, drug, drug thing in, in Brecon Jazz Festival. And um, he ended up inside, cried out to God. And his whole family got saved beyond that. It's a great story. But it was Chris and his brother Clive and, and Phil. And they were all in professional sport, in the rugby world. They were all, all full-time 
in, in professional sport. And that's how sport in Marvels got birthed. And in, in our time there, we were in 17 schools and we could teach the life of David, the life of Jesus and the life of the church. But, and we could do in curriculum time. Curriculum time. And, and um, he, he, you know, he was, it was, yeah, it was an incredible thing, wasn't it, for, for you? Tough, but incredible. But anyway, let's pause okay. and have a song. The thing we've said so often, you know, I, we're both perpetual students. You know, Debbie's done a, a bachelor's in theology and a master's in theology. Ask and, uh, it, no, and, but when we went to Bible college, she wasn't a student then. It's this is in you know in more recent years. And um, but but I say that to lead into this. When we went to college, because this is what sustained us. I had, I had no qualifications. I had a bag full of past sin. And, and uh, we're in Bible college training. I knew the call of God was on my life, but I felt completely inadequate. And uh, again, a long story short, some, we were in a, a, a little um, get-together one afternoon outside a curriculum. You know, somebody like that with a guitar, and we sang and praised God. And then somebody gave a word and said, I want you to have a prayer meeting at 6 o'clock every morning. And I thought, that's not God. <laughs> not having that, I'm here to study. <laughs> but I ended up going to it. And I didn't realize I'd be going for two years. And I went to an early morning prayer meeting, weekdays. We had the weekends off. We often traveled to churches, etc. But I went to it. I stuck with it. And I, I got used, and it was hard. It was, it was hard because uh, we were living in community. It was noisy at night sometimes. But I did it. And towards the end of it, and please don't think this is a... I would never boast about things like this. But God said to me, for you, that's not flexible. I think he was saying, you're pretty useless. <laughs> so this is not flexible. Not, not necessarily six o'clock, but I, I want an hour of your life every morning. And honestly, from 1987 up to the present day, I've given God an hour of my life every day. And, and why do I say it? Because I'm, I'm a realist. I'm a realist. And it's that above anything else that we've done uh, that has sustained us and brought us through some of the difficult times we've just talked about. And even more recently, because we stayed connected, even if, yeah, we both do that. We, initially it was me, but Deb does it as well now. And, and um, you know, if, it's, if we've ever... That's the average, because if there's ever been an emergency, obviously I haven't been able to do that, but that's very, very few. And, and we've got, to a degree, it's not a chore in any way at all. It's a delight. It's the best <laughs> part of our lives now. It really, isn't yeah, it? Is. Because I was a dunce. You know, I didn't have anything to offer him. But I could give him my heart, yeah. and that's what I gave him. And uh, it sustained us, honestly. It sustained us and through the difficult times. And we pastored, as Deb said, another 13 years in the Ronda. Then again, we start to feel, you know, is it time to move on? And, and we met this time with Chris Cartwright, who's our outgoing 
uh, general superintendent now, but he was a regional superintendent at the time. And we met him and he's chatting and we're talking about our future. And lo and behold, uh, he said, what's your bullseye then for the next part of your lives? What's your bullseye? And there was a, a pregnant silence. And we both said, Tanzania. Tanzania. You know, it almost like we got unfinished business there. You know, we had to leave. Now we're well enough to go back, etc. And and so, in 19... Uh, 19. Where am I? 1913. No, 2013, wasn't it? 2013. 2013, we packed our bags again. This time without our kids. And this time outside of Elim. I, I took early retirement at the time because there was a situation between Elim, UK and Tanzania, Elim. And so we had to, if we were serious, we couldn't go with Elim. You know, and it cleared up eventually, thankfully. And, and uh, we were able to, you know, to be a part of that. But that's what happened. We felt called again to Tanzania. So off we went. We mm. did, and we, I think it's fair to say that, uh, well, both of us were very different people going back this time than we were in 1998. Oh, aye. We, our theology had kind of changed. We'd, we'd, when John, when we'd gone through that horrible dark time, where we just we couldn't even see what we were going to do tomorrow, and never mind a few weeks down the track. God had talked to us about the royal law, and you might hear that phrase a lot from us. You're definitely going to hear the word agape from us, because that's where we felt God mm -hmm. speak to us about that, and it was that that kind of sustained us and helped us, and we we got a we kind of got a victory theology, not a theology of you know everything's great and nothing ever goes wrong you're never going to have any mountains to overcome climb. overcome but we learned to be yeah, we had to overcome yeah and because we'd overcome that it just helped us with our approach to everything so i when i tell when we tell our story i almost look back at pre 2000 pre 2000 when john we went through that terrible dark time to post 2000 because we became different people and people told us that they said you're different now, now you're, you're growing, we can see you growing. I was never kind of involved in any kind of leadership or anything like that or studying. That all changed for me. And so by the time we went back in 2013, we both wanted to go. We felt it was the right thing to do. And like, I, like we said, our kids were both married um, at the time. So we left them as adults to just get on with their life. And we, we went back out to Tanzania. We did loads of things. Um, just let me come in about okay. the... Um, the, the you know, yeah, but it, it, right. it, I'm just remembering some things. You can, co you can come in as I well. I want to put in in a minute. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm just, thank you very much. Uh, thank you. Yeah, I, 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 you know, when, when you're in a dark place, you wonder if you're being punished. And I, I couldn't work out our lives. When I'm traveling through all of East Africa one more. Next day, I'm in Blackpool Hospital, you know. And I'm thinking, God, have you not forgiven me for what I did there? You know, and I started to hear a voice in my head uh, telling me my future. And it wasn't God. And, um, you know, but it's the first time I'd had it seriously like that. And there were, you know, obviously I was so ill that I, I could believe anything, you know, and just felt as, as I'm dying. So, you know, I've not no future. But I came out of it. And this may be helpful to you. You know, I grew up in a family five boys, I've got four brothers, 
and um, we had a, a sister who died as a baby, but we were, you know, we were a male growing up family, Yorkshire family, and I, I realised after I'd never, I'd never heard my dad say "I love you," I'd never heard those words, and he was dying with cancer, my dad, and. Um, we were in Wales and I went to see him. He was in Blackpool Hospital by now and he'd, 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 he'd shrunk as a man. And, uh, you know, it, it was a pitiful sight because, you know, he, he'd, he'd been hard work. He was a lorry driver, you know, in the days when they used to sheet up and rope up, you know. And <laughs> So he, he was a physical sort of man in his younger days and he stood before him. He had short, you know, pyjama shorts on and I looked at my dad and, uh, you know, oh. And I said, Dad, please say this prayer. You know, you're having a lung operation tomorrow. You might not come through it. And um, he said, I'd be a hypocrite. I'd be a hypocrite. And I said, okay, I've written it down. I'm leaving it in your glasses case. Will you read it? He said, I'll read it when you've gone. So there's my hope for my dad, to be honest. And um, so as I was leaving, I said, Dad, I love you. And he said, and you, lad. <laughs> it's the best I ever got out of it. <laughs> but the serious part of it is, I realized I'd performed all my life. You know, I'd played football since I was seven. And, you know, in Yorkshire's word, tinning. Is that, is that a word you know, Dean? Tinning. It's when, it's when, if you don't get stuck in, they call it tinning in Yorkshire. My dad had come and watched, and I played like, at 13, I was in under 15s, and it was like, the men to me, you know, and, and my dad would say, oh, you did all right, but you were tinning, you know, you were tinning, and, and I thought, you know, if I'd have gone in for a 50-50 there, I wouldn't have come out of it, <laughs> but that, just to, sh you know, so that point, so important to how our theology was built, God started to show me unconditional love, yeah. and it brought me out of the darkness, and, and I survived, obviously, and lived on, and to the point that we, we got that and developed uh, the ability to overcome difficult times in our lives. And it was born out of that. And it was like he was pouring into me, understanding of agape. Our agape is not the best of human love. It's God's love, you know, and, and the commands to love and all of this stuff that, that came out. And it changed our lives. Yeah. And um, here we were on our way back to Tanzania. And it helped us in the sense that we weren't going with Elin, we weren't salaried, you know, we were both salaried and that ended. No social security, nothing. We had to take a step, a massive step of faith because we had, we had no income. And we went back to Tanzania and it was tough at first, wasn't it? Well, we went to a place called Tanga, which is by the sea. And we, had a, we found a house and we had a bed. <laughs> that was it. You know, anything else we had to build up from done that quite a few times, gone down to nothing and built back up, haven't we? It's all part of the adventure. We're not in that position now. No, we're Praise not. God. He, he knows how to bless, doesn't he? We've got he? a lovely little apartment in Whitley Bay, as you all know. Yeah. We love it. Um, we did so many things we, we haven't got time to tell you about. We, we planted a, 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 we had a church in our house where we gathered Tanzanians and expat missionaries. Um, I guess one of the most precious things we did was we rescued five orphans. We were involved, and if you followed our story, some of you may have followed our story. We maybe you, you might be thinking, I know all your story because I've followed you over the years, but a lot of you won't. Um, and we rescued five 
orphans. They came to live with us in our base in Tanzania, and um, that was very precious. We employed a lot of people, and it was a different, it was a different, a different us. Of course, it was still Africa, and it still had the frustrations of the power cuts and the dark nights and the no water and all of those kind of things, but I know I can speak for me and for you, John. We were just different people, and we learned how to overcome situations and just rely upon God's guidance in our lives. And the adventure that that's given us, the teams that came out to visit, and, and we're so excited to be able to take a team again this year, which we haven't done that for a long time, so mm. it'll be a, a precious thing to go back and do that. because. We're just to say, we, in, in our church in Wales over yeah. the years, because we started going back, you know, as I got better, we started going back and taking teams, and we took, we took well over 100 people from our church, you know, not all at the same time, but oh, no, over a period of time, stressful. over 100 people yeah. from our church went to Tanzania yeah. and Kenya. And I, I knew, I got to know Harold a little bit with the Kenya link, as, as you would know. Go on, sorry, darling. No, it's okay. Um, so we did So we did quite a bit of back and forth then, because obviously our kids were here, and even though they're adults, we still miss them, of course. And so we would do like a few months there and then come back and do a few months here. We got to know a lot of churches and one of the churches that we got to know during that time was Newcastle. We were home on furlough. This must, this must be around 2016, I think. 15, maybe? 15. Ronnie and Cole, no, because yeah. they, took, they took us from yeah. here to there, didn't they? Did, yeah. Was it 15? That was the yeah, second year, wasn't it? Remember, yeah. 17, 15, 16. Mm. And so we came to Newcastle for the first time in 2015. In our lives. In our lives. And I'm ashamed to say, although I think it's because you lot all keep it quiet. <laughs> I didn't even know there was a beach. <laughs> I did not know Newcastle was on the coast. And Simon and Julia took us to their favourite place. Crusoe's. Um, so this, this was before we were ever, ever dreaming that we'd come to minister in Newcastle. So we'd been here twice and uh, loved it. So then around 2018, I think it was me before you, really. I started getting feelings that I think we're heading back to the UK. Took you a bit longer, didn't it? Mm. Took you a bit longer to catch up with me, and me and God were having a chat. And you... I know it's one of those times when I had disconnected, wasn't it? <laughs> <laughs> Although I do think, probably for me, um, we we became grandparents in 2018. Yeah, I think. that was and that, a big that played a part. I have to say that it played a big part because even when our even our older kids, that even saying goodbye to them got harder didn't get easier, it got harder. And this one, I think it was probably 18, just before Ari was born, we went to um, centre parks together. Exactly. And we were going back to Tanzania like three, two or three days after that. So saying goodbye to those kids, to our kids in that car park was absolutely... Tearful, it was tearful. tearful. Just both, both My son started to cry. And Chris started to cry and I was crying. And we realised, didn't we? And then I, was I think we realised that if we if we keep up like this, yeah, it's gonna see how how much long how much time are we gonna have with our kids and yeah, grandkids, right. as it was at the time, in the rest of our lives? And it, we realise it's minimal, you know, because we're not in the country that much. Mm. 
and so it, it was it was a big moment because we just had a lovely time. Sherwood Sherwood uh, Centre Parks, and um, yeah. What? So so and then we did we did the flight back and I was I was it was really hard for me to go back on this particular flight. We sat at the airport trying to be positive, trying to overcome. And then we both said after sat in Addis Ababa airport for the umpteenth time for ten hours while you're waiting for your next flight, I'm not sure that I can do this much longer. And um, so we came, we came back home around the November, December 2018 for our Christmas. We always wanted to come home for Christmas. And we were in, in Wales, talking, praying, is there a way we can maybe do three months in the UK, three months in Tanzania? We got Paul Hudson involved in those conversations. He didn't think that churches would go for that, um, not, you know, not having a pastor for three months at a time. And then the day after Simon and Julia announced that they were leaving Newcastle. So which was a shock. Which was a shock. I don't know whether you guys were shocked, but we were shocked. On that Monday, Paul Hudson phoned us and, and said, I want you to um, consider a Newcastle. What did you say? <laughs> you get used to her being cheeky. She's cheeky. I, am. I, know, I know Paul Hudson well. I wouldn't dream of saying this to any of you until I get to know you. <laughs> I said to Paul, you can, well, I said to you, actually, because you were on the phone to him, and I said, you can tell him to take a long walk off a short pier. <laughs> Those were my words. So it why did I say shock, that? The reason I said that was, I never, it had never entered my radar, Newcastle, and I still thought our kids would think, it's too far away. You're coming home from Tanzania, but you're still going to be at the other end of the country from where we live. So I think one thing that we, we learned, as long as you learn your lesson, you say that thing, don't you, better late than never. And when we went back to Tanzania in 2013, we didn't really involve our children in that massive life-changing decision. And it was a, a regret that we carried throughout our next six mm -hmm. years. And we said... This is another huge life decision. And we, obviously we all surrender to God and, you know, God speaks to us and God guides us. But it's really, really good to get human counsel and family discussion. And so for this one, finally learnt, <laughs> we sat down with my parents and our children and we said, we've been offered Newcastle. Thinking they'd all go, what? Newcastle? That's too far away, you can't go to Newcastle. But we all realized that this was a God thing for us. And it's a car journey, not a plane ride. <laughs> so it's all relative, you know. I know some of you live if loads you, away yeah, from Yeah, if you've lived in Tanzania you? as well, Britain is not big. <laughs> no, that's true. Believe yeah. you, believe you me, big. Britain is very small Ronnie compared to... Ronnie and got it, your families overseas? Yeah. It's hard, it's not easy to have nah. family so far away. Mm. So all of a sudden we're going to be at least in the same time zone. Um, so we quickly went back. We went back a month earlier than we planned to. Boxing Day. Boxing Day back, yeah. in 2018. Mm -hmm. We packed up all our stuff. Got our kids into... Got our kids into the... into. A fan, we haven't got time to tell the story about what happened to them, but we got them a miracle. a brilliant organisation of people that maybe you will also meet one day called Treasures of Africa. That has since um, changed, and now they're all in individual homes, which is even better. 
when I, when I first went, well. when we decided to bring them to live with us, they were in a, a terrible place. And the game they were playing was throwing a dead rat to each other. That was, the, that was their game. It's, it, if you've never seen real poverty, it's an incredible eye-opener to, to see uh, real poverty. And just to go back a while into the overcoming thing and, you know, trying to create a theology of victory, but whilst being realistic and not, not um, pretending there's no problem when there is a problem. But when, when I first started uh, ministering in, you know, Kenya, Tanzania, Rwanda and what have you, it's like um, they'd say, oh, good, the man of God's here, me. And, and uh, the Mzungu's here, the white man's here. Because some have never even seen a white person. I'm talking about being in the bush now, you know, away from everything. And it, the AIDS epidemic was on, obviously, you know, at that period. And all groups were being wiped out. And so I, I'd arrive and they'd, they'd, they'd hold your hand. And they'd, 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 when, I first, when they first did it, I wondered what was happening. But, you know, and they'll take you in there. Oh, good, the man of God's here. And I'd see somebody lying there, obviously dying. And no medical facilities anywhere near. And I'm thinking, are they expecting me to do something? Because I'm not confident. You know, I, I, I felt impotent. And it sent us on a journey that we've been on ever since to look at what Scripture says and to ask the question, so why aren't we seeing that? Because I knew if I could, and we saw, we saw some miracles, praise God, but not enough. But um, I, I realized if we, if, if we can't deliver something here, they haven't got, they're not going to get to their RVI or, you know, or, or, or what have you. They're dying. And that becomes a different thing to our prayer lines, you know, which is serious enough. Appreciate that. There's people suffering here. But there isn't an option. And it changes your thinking. When, you, when you're a charismatic believer who believe in the gifts of the Spirit, believe the healings for today, you must begin to ask questions. So are we at fault here? Because if I can't do that, then you know, I must ask questions. Why can't I do it? Because it's pretty clear in Scripture that we should be doing it. Amen? So it's a journey we're still on. It's a journey we're still on. But we'd learned a lot on it, you know, and uh, overcome many things. We're going to have to, you know, go quick now. I do appreciate well, the time, there, guys. We? We're, nearly, we're nearly in Newcastle. We are in Newcastle. Yeah. So we, we came, we came, we came back. Yes. Yeah. We and came we back, there. didn't we? And we'd had to, we had to obviously leave the Tanzanian thing. And we, we didn't know we were still, we didn't, we still didn't know we were coming. We were only coming for an interview. <laughs> so we'd, you know, we left our world behind and came to Newcastle for interview. But we just, we just got to a place in our lives. And I said earlier, our journey has, was our best teacher yeah. because We'd already given, gone to a place where we didn't have anything. And here we were again. We didn't have a house. We didn't have a salary. And we're coming for an interview where they could say no. Where, where you know, it's possible they could say no and say, uh, we don't want you to come here. So, but we were casual with it. We were, you know, not, not when I say that, I don't want to give a wrong impression. We prayed hard about it. But if, if they said no, we just realize we'll just go and get some jobs for a bit and then, you know, pick up whatever God wants us to do. 
So we sat, I hadn't had an interview for 30 years. <laughs> so we sat in an interview in Newcastle, uh, you know, and just saying, if it's God's will, we'll come, you know, and they didn't know us. We'd only just met all of them, you know, at that point. And they put us in the Vermont Hotel, Elim did, in town. Do you know that? It's quite nice, isn't it? And so we were in there, and they said, tomorrow, tomorrow we'll have decided at, by noon. <laughs> so it got to four o'clock. <laughs> I was looking for jobs at Tesco. Deb no. was online, yeah, Tesco. <laughs> Shelf filler. <laughs> I could do this for a while. No, in seriousness, we decided we would do that if we, if we needed to do it. Yeah. And anyway, it, like I say, we start to think, it must be no. It must be no. But it went, the phone went about five, didn't it? I dropped to sleep, actually, yeah. by that time. And um, they said, yeah, we'd like you to come. And that's how we got to Newcastle, wasn't it? Yeah. And then, and then, they put us in a caravan park at Willie Bay. <laughs> Yeah, said, it went said, there. <laughs> February. It was February. <laughs> we did go in the swimming pool, though, even though it's February. It was indoor, not outdoors, you know, probably. Anyway, we're, in, we're there for two weeks to look for a, a house, you know. We weren't going to start. It's February, so we weren't going to start till May in, in Heaton. In fact, Simon and Julia were still there. So we wanted to come to church on the Sunday. We couldn't go to Heaton. Obviously, that was in, in the process. So where do we go? They knew, that, they knew we were coming out. Yeah, because it got out, yeah, didn't it? it? Out. Yeah, it was out. It, it was out. We came here. We came here, yeah. didn't we? We did come here. February 2019. Yeah. And nobody prophesied that one day we'd be pastors here. <laughs> it's terrible. Yeah, I thought they're very unspiritual there. <laughs> but we came. Tell, tell them about oh, Becky. Tell, the tell story. them about yeah, Becky, yeah. So we came in, I think we sat not where, far from where Dean and Becky are now, actually. Mm. Is that your normal seat? <laughs> no, you're normally at the back. No, they were a bit further forward. Bit Probably further where forward. Lawrence is there, I think. We sat on um, that seat. Yeah. And we sat down. I don't know. I mean, I can't even remember who was leading. But I think they said to say hello to, to someone. And so Becky turned round and I was just nearly fell off my chair. Because I've known Becky for a long time, many years. And I, I thought she lived in Nottingham. I had no idea she lived here. I said, so we were like, do you? And we got, I think we was like, shh, because they started. So, but we were so excited to see each other. So that was a real lovely surprise, that was. And then we got a the chicken, chicken dinner. dinner out was it, of it chicken or beef? We got a dinner yeah, out of it anyway, didn't we? We went there for lunch. It was yeah. great. Yeah. Oh, that was lovely. Yeah. So then we started in May the 5th and uh, in the tomb. And, um, yeah, and we've loved it, haven't we? It's loved been it. great. It's like, no, it's not. No way is easy, is it, for goodness sake. But we're overcomers. So, you know, keep, keep looking to the king and keep listening and keep your life as pure as you can. And there are ingredients that will take you forward, you know. And we've learned that, but learned it over a process. It's a process, isn't it? You know, it's a process that that you have to keep going and going forward. And for us now, it's been since 1987, obviously a long time. And I repeat to you, our, the, the process of our life has been our best teacher, without question. And it's why we bring it into our messages, because, you know, we, 
obviously we, we study theology, we're, we're avid students, but you look and you see God in, in a situation, and I told my story about what happened to me in March, because it's only last March I was in, uh, uh, in the RVI with heart failure, you know, and again, it, 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 there's a possibility I wasn't going to come out, you know, I knew that, but praise God, I, uh, I, I came out, I overcame, and I feel well. I feel well, you know, and uh, I'm on medication, but I feel well, and I praise God uh, for it. And just to say on that point, guys, you can't bind God. And why do I say that? Because God was in it, strangely enough. He was in the outcome anyway. And, and what you know, we build a life, don't we? Something wrong goes on. We bind, you know, we want to stand firm against the enemy. There's sometimes... You have to pause and you have to think and you have to say, maybe God's teaching me something in this. And he was. I am time to tell you now, obviously, but he was. And I, I, I'm, also, I'm actually thankful. I hadn't been in hospital for over 20 years. But within a day, I knew God was with me, even though I had heart failure. And, and, um, and I learned a lot. I learned a lot. Well, I was in there when I came out of there. And, um, you know, it became a positive. That's what I'm saying. And the, the negative became a positive, didn't it? Did it for you? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Because mm. it does, whatever you go through, if you approach it, great, a great line is sometimes you win and sometimes you learn. You never lose if you approach everything that happens to you because you learn through through the hard times, through the great times, and, and that's, that's how you approach something. And you look, when you look back, you can see what God was doing through that time and what he taught you. Yeah, he did. Yeah, so just finally, how did this happen? It wasn't on our radar, I put it that way, never even thought of it. And it's quite some time ago, Jay approached me. I used to meet with Jay and we'd have lunch on the seafront here. You know, and we, I've known Jay a long time, so it was, it was natural, it's our relationship. Came in, in 99, Jay came to Africa. To do, we did famine relief, actually. Mm. Um, and he became ill. He had, he had certain tablets that you take for anti-malaria and it, it affected him badly. I don't know if he ever told you that story. But anyway, we'd meet. And one day, you know, he talked about... It wasn't leaving here then, but he said eventually, you know, and he, he just threw the idea out. Would you consider thinking about, you know, maybe it'd work if, uh, you know, for you to oversee two churches. And anyway, that died. Obviously, that was, that was prior to my heart failure for a start. And then, um, he, you know, he cropped up again. And um, I'm, I've got to know Dean, obviously, over time. And Dean and I and Jay met one day, and just to chat it through again. And we didn't realize, but the day we met here with the extended leadership was actually one day, one year, sorry, one year since Jay and Dean and I had met. To the day. To the day. And, and um, then, you know, eventually, because... Honestly, even when we went in Jay's apartment, when we took over Jay's apartment, we, we had no idea we'd be coming here. You know, it was off at the time. But gradually, God, we believe, God began to convince us this is right. 
and we believe it's right and we'll do our best. You know, we, we believe we're two churches with one heart. We're not here to take over. We've got, we're still growing. We've got our faults, but we are committed people. We're committed to the kingdom of God advancing. And, you know, and uh, that, that, that will be what we bring, you know, and, um, and, and work on the fact that, you know, we have two churches, but we've got the same cause and that two are stronger than one. And together, we trust we'll be able to advance the kingdom in both, you know, that area, eight miles down the road and also here. Already I've done a lot of prayer walking, you know, and I feel excited. I feel excited about what God is going to do. I genuinely do. We both do. I'm speaking for myself there. So, you know, be patient, I would say. It's new. You might not like our style. Some of you, you might be against it even. All we would say is be patient. Let's see together what God does and, and how we can move forward. You know, there'll be tentative steps, but... And on Sunday, obviously I'm preaching here again, I'm going, to, I'm going to look at, you know, what is the church? I want us to focus on something. What are we? What are we not and what are we? And uh, I trust that God will really speak to us. He'll, he'll quickly unite our hearts, you know, and that we'll enjoy the journey. We, we, we've enjoyed the journey despite the difficulties. We've enjoyed the journey and we, we look back and say, we are blessed. And we thank God for it. Um, anything you want to add? No, we were going to open up for questions. And if anyone's got any questions, I know time's I going on. I told you that at the beginning because you might have thought of something. But if anyone's got something burning you do, about Africa, about Wales, about us, anything, we'll we'll just do minutes. ten minutes if that's all right on yeah. this, and then we'll have one more song if that's okay. Just just that we worship together. That was the idea. You know that it, this is Deb's first time. Obviously, it's not mine. But we're here together for the first time, and we'd just like to end the evening with one song, that's all. And, um, uh, but if there are any questions, if that's okay, it, you know, we realize time's gone on, but if, just to, if there are, be nice to us though, won't you? Well, yeah, I'm sure you're all very lovely. Of course they are. We are coming, yeah, you are. Actually, we'll be here next week as well. We're going to be here every Monday, aren't we? Absolutely, yeah. It's 7.30, is it? Is that your church time, 7.30? 7 or 7.30, seven what's or the best? We'll talk to Dean. We won't, we won't do it, but we might start a riot. <laughs> Our yeah. first riot on the first yeah. night. Obviously, guys, you know, we, we have to balance the two. We're very busy as it is, but not busy to the extent that we can't do this. You know, we have people, obviously, who are part of our team, and they, they're all, for, you know, our leaders in Eden for this. They, they, you know, they thought it through, prayed it through. We sat and listened to them. We put it to them. All of, all of that stuff. And, um, you know, they, they agreed to it and are behind it. So, um, yeah, one or two might come on a Sunday if I'm here, not to hear me preach, but just to, you know, a heart thing, really, to, to get to know the fellowship here. And, um, uh, yeah. So Monday nights, I hope you know. I hope you can get out. We'll be seeking God together. You know, we'll be ministering the Word of God. So that'll be a weekly thing, so we can get into place what we we believe, along along with the you know the leaders and along with people here who are already in that position to to see how do we go forward. Let's see what we need and let's 
go for it. So that'll be every Monday night. So we will be here then, though we can't be here every Sunday, as you know. Mm. Mm. Jeff, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, and we'll see. We'll see what works, Jeff. Actually, but it, it, ideally, I don't like prayer and Bible study. Ideally, because it ends up being more Bible study than prayer a lot of the time. And um, you know, we we are obviously we have prayer meetings in Heaton. We have three three prayer meetings a week actually, but they're prayer meetings. But because of the time factor. That's why, because obviously you have to get to know our hearts, and and maybe we'll maybe we'll you know mix it up a bit. Some where sometimes we'll just do a, 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 a you know a teaching, or other times we'll make discussion of it or feedback, all of that, as as God leads, you know. And uh, we value prayers on that. That's what we want. And if you pray in that, we'll get that. I believe that He'll convince us. You know, if you're praying, this is what we need. I'm sure if it's right, he'll convince us and hopefully, and we're open to discussion as well, you know, that, yeah, what, what's going to work in that? We're still on that, obviously. It's going to take uh, a bit of time, isn't it? But yeah, good question. Thanks, Jeff. Yeah. Anybody else? Yes. Yeah, that's from James. You're testing me now, aren't you? James 2.8. 12. 2.8, yeah. James 2.8, where it says, if you really keep the royal law found in Scripture, you are doing what's right. And the royal law that we know that Jesus spoke about is to love God with all your heart, soul, mind and strength. To love love your neighbour as yourself. Mm -hmm. And the hardest one, love each other, which I'm sure you all do, yeah. but maybe you don't do it as he has loved us. That's the hard That's bit. the clause. That's the clause. Love each other as he has loved us. So that, that's, the, that's what it is. That's where it comes from. Yeah. When, when we were in Wales, we, we, we sat on a bench in Tempe and we were you know, thinking about our future and, our, and we felt God speak to us. And this is what he said to us, you know, in our inner being, not loudly. And uh, <coughs> that the soul of the charismatic church has to catch up with the spirit of the charismatic church. And the way into the miraculous is the development of the soul, that we become more capable to do those things. And we've carried that for, uh, you know, since, haven't we? And, and applied it, applied it to some good effect as well, where we are in, 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 you know, like everywhere, you've got your problems, you're not satisfying everybody. But we've seen growth and development there in many, many ways, and which we're grateful to God for. And we're open and trusting it will be the same here, obviously. Mm, thank you. Thank you for your question. I don't know your name yet. I am sorry. I, some people I know. David. David. Okay, David. Thank you very much. I'll try and remember. I might have to ask people twice, you know, in you some all cases. You always stickers. <laughs> and do I? We'll yeah. soon get to know Yeah. Any, any more, shall we sing, or is there any, any more?
human mission in yeah. when, we, when we went the first time, I, I, when we went the first time, I, we were asked, as I told you, and we were, we were, we were uh, asked to go there by Elim yeah. to do a specific job. So we were salaried yeah. by Elim. Yeah. When we went back the last time, we didn't have any salary. But it was mainly, obviously, okay. support. You don't live without anything. Support. But, you, you know, it, that fluctuates. Uh, so it, was the, it was UK. It, it was mainly UK, Tanzania. yeah. It was, we, it was UK. You give, to be honest, you know, it, it can be an issue. Yeah. Because you're constantly giving and constantly being depended upon. Um, you know, <coughs> and often you haven't even got the means to do it, but you still... You end up looking after a lot of people, yeah. you know. That's that's the truth of it. Yeah. So it's mainly support that comes from overseas that keeps you going. You know, we have a lot of friends there and and what have you. But you know, most of them, even 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 a doctor in Tanzania <coughs> won't earn what we would get on the dole here. You know. Yeah. When we first went, there was one doctor for every 100,000 people. Mm. It's, it's, it's dire poverty in certain parts. Dire poverty. I went to ordain pastors in, in, uh, in a refugee camp. They were from Burundi. And um, I've never seen anything like it. They'd fled the genocide and just in this refugee camp. And, and we ordained you know, because I was the head of it, I had the privilege of ordaining six pastors in that refugee camp. But I'll show you a picture one day that I've never stopped looking at ever since because it, it levels me up, you know. It brings focus to me when I, because I remember what I saw that day. Yeah. Okay. I think, you know, ask questions behind the scenes or if you see us, I know, you know, time's sake there might be many questions we'll seek to answer them you know catch us over a coffee or something uh, you know when we're around and we will be around yeah yeah we'll just sing one song then shall we and just worship him together and then i'll pray and then uh, we'll go out into the night it is As I, as I close in prayer, just to say to you guys, obviously we're getting to know you. We know some a little bit now and others a bit more. See it as a new day. God's mercies are new every morning. And, you know, and, and every day, because of his grace and because, you know, all sorts of things go on in a church. My appeal to you is see it as a new day. Try and put things behind that you may need to and you may need to work on that. And let's go together. Let's move together into the future and trust that we're going to see a lot of people saved, a lot of people growing in God. That's our, that's our heart. It's what we're here to do. You know, there's no other reason why, why we're doing this. We, we are people who are, who are serving God for the rest of our lives, simple as that. And we believe this is the will of God. Therefore, We'll be seeking his face and hopefully going on into the future. And, and you know, I've, I have a saying, make, make the rest of your life the best of your life. And I know, you know, I'm, not, I'm no spring chick myself, as I said on some, last Sunday, but, but 
I believe that because we've experienced. We've gained experience. We've gained some maturity, all of us now, at the level we're at. But there's tomorrow. And there's, let's believe we're going to see things we've never seen. Amen. Experience things we've never yet experienced yes, as the Lord moves in us and through us. And so, Father, we want to thank you for the attendance tonight, Lord, for Deb and I, and, and uh, much appreciated, Lord, as people have come out on this cold night to, uh, to, to be with us tonight, Father. And uh, we are excited about the future because we love you, Lord, and we love to serve you. And, uh, and we, we sense such a good heart in this church, Lord, that I've been several times, obviously, even, even you know, back to four years ago, I think, and I thank you for this church. I thank you for its history. The previous pastors, most recently Jay, all that's happened, Lord. Uh, we're grateful. We're grateful for what you've done at Acorn Church. And we're asking you, Father, we're asking you humbly, would you move now and into the future? Would we march together? Would we go forward together, Father? And as I've said, into seeing many lives change, Lord. And and. To be able to salute you with the advancement of your kingdom. In the mighty name of Jesus. Amen. 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 Praise God. Thank you guys. Thank you very much for having us.